0: chapter number 21 John's gospel chapter number 21 for this Sunday morning and uh, we have been in the gospel of John now for some some weeks and uh, have come to the last chapter of course last Sunday was Easter Sunday and we talked out of chapter 20 about the resurrection and uh, we won't leave that subject too far behind this morning uh, we'll find that in John chapter number 21. Um, let's just start in verse number 1 and read several verses for the, for the sake of context. And uh, then once we do that, we're going to jump back into chapter 20. And that's actually where our sermon will begin. But it will end in chapter number 21. And uh, so let's start our reading there uh, again for context. John 21, 1. And after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias. And on this wise he showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael the Canaanite of, Canaan, of Cana of Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they said unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have you any meat? And they said unto him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of the fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisherman's coat on him for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship for they were not far from land but as it were 200 cubits dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. Isn't it interesting? Just at pause as we're moving through. The Bible never tells me that Jesus did any fishing that morning. Do you read that? But uh, here he is with, with fishes and loaves one more time. Amen. What a testimony. And so he's got fishes laid thereon and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes 150 and three. For uh, all were so many, yet was not the net broken. And Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples darest ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? And Jesus then cometh, and taketh bread, and giveth them, and fish likewise. Now, now is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples. After that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my lambs. Father, help us over these next few minutes. We need you. We pray for your assistance. In Jesus' name, and amen. Over the past several sermons, we have been looking together at the characters that John uses to tell the Gospel story. I'm sure that you have realized this, so I don't have to say it, but it's worth mentioning, so I'll say it anyways, that the main character is Jesus Christ. We know that. We've not lost sight of that. The main character is Jesus Christ. There would be no Gospel story if it was not for Jesus Christ. But while it is true that Jesus is the main character of these chapters, Um, and really the main character of the Bible. I love the fact that he uses men and women to help tell his story. What is even more wonderful is that he is still choosing to tell his story the same way. God's story is told through men and women every day. The story of Christ is told as you and I live out our lives by faith. As we live from faith to faith, God tells the gospel story in every one of our lives. Your testimony is His testimony. He is telling His story through the men and women of faith every day. Well, this morning I want us to look at a few more gospel characters, a few more characters in the Bible, and once again let them help us tell this final story. I'm going to preach this morning on this thought, the resurrection and its power. The resurrection and its power. We'll look at three groups of characters and in them we will see something about the resurrection power. First of all, I want you to notice in chapter 20, the disciples, the disciples The disciples, show us that the resurrection gives us the power of peace. The resurrection gives us the power of peace. Look at verse 19 of chapter 20. Then the same day at evening... Being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them Peace be unto you. Verse 19, John gives us one more time stamp. He's become good at that. He's been counting days for us over these last several chapters. He tells us that it is now evening And it is the first day of the week. In fact, he adds this. He said, it is the same day. So we have to ask ourselves the question, it is the same day as what? Well, we know the answer to that. It is the same day as the resurrection. Jesus, at the beginning of chapter 20, has arose victorious from the grave. And it seems as though, when we come to the end of chapter 20, that a group of disciples have gathered in this upper room... And more than likely, they are telling and swapping stories about what has happened that day. Boy, I thought about it this week. Can you imagine some of the conversations that took place in that upper room? I would have loved to have been there. I can almost imagine as Mary Magdalene tells her story. She said, I was at the grave and He spoke my name. Boy, can you imagine as she tells the story. And the other women are probably there. And they affirm the story of Mary. Yes, He appeared to us also. We saw Him. He is certainly alive. By this time probably he's appeared to Peter privately and Peter's telling his story. We know the Emmaus couple has arrived back from Emmaus and they are telling how that he revealed himself unto them. I would have loved to have been in that upper room and heard the stories of those disciples as they recount the story of seeing the resurrected Christ. But it seems that not only is there a level of excitement in this room, but it also seems there's a level of fear in this room. Because verse 19 tells us that the doors are shut. By this time, the Sanhedrin has already began the rumor that the disciples had stolen away the body of Jesus. Now you've got to imagine that if these men were so cruel that they would crucify Jesus for no cause, it is unimaginable what He would do to them if they got the opportunity. And so as they are there, they make sure the door is shut. They are excited, but they are afraid. And as they're in the upper room with this nervous and excited conversation taking place, The Bible tells us that someone appears in the room with them. He doesn't open the door. He doesn't even knock on the door. He didn't need a door. He was the door. He didn't even need a door. Just all of a sudden, one moment he's not there, and the next moment he is there. There he is, the resurrected one. The one they were just talking about. Standing in their midst. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter number 18 and verse number 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And aren't you glad that when people get together in the name of Jesus, it doesn't take long before he shows up. Amen. One moment he's not there, and the next moment he is there. But I want you to notice a few things with me, please. I want you to notice this, first of all. When Jesus appears to this group, the very first thing He does is speak words of peace. He says it in this verse, verse 19, Peace be unto you. That is the Hebrew word shalom. This is the greeting of peace. And I'll say this, shalom or peace was a a common Jewish greeting. But I believe Jesus is doing more in verse 19 than just giving a common greeting. And I'll say, there's nothing wrong with the common or the ordinary. There are days in my life where the common or the ordinary is the best day. Amen? Thank God for common and ordinary days. Are, are we alright right there? In fact, the ordinary is comforting sometimes. There's days we long for the ordinary. But Jesus now speaks words of peace. He's not offering the common. He's not offering the ordinary. These are men and women sealed up a room. They are afraid. Some of them still have their doubts. Luke said when Jesus appeared, they thought He was a ghost. I believe that Jesus said the words of peace because he's not saying that just an ordinary greeting but what he is saying is this I know what you're afraid of I know what you are going through I know where you are at but make no mistake I am here and peace be unto you he is speaking words of peace I want you to notice this secondly notice where the peace is found not only does he speak words of peace but notice where it is found the peace is found and made possible by the resurrection. When Jesus says peace in verse number 19, He follows it in verse number 20 by saying, You can touch my hands and you can touch my side. Uh, you can touch my hands You can touch my side. The wounded hands and the wounded side testified of the fact that Jesus was crucified. Amen? The wounds said, I was crucified and I died. But the fact that He is standing before them with wounds in His hand and wounds in His side testifies I didn't stay dead. Amen? I may have been crucified, but I didn't stay in that tomb. I got up. I have resurrection power. And that resurrection power gives me the ability to offer you comfort and to offer you peace. Amen? It is the power of the resurrection that gives us the peace that we need. It is the power of the resurrection that gives us the peace to handle all the situations of life. They were afraid of the Sanhedrin. They were afraid of what they were going to face. And I'll be honest with you. There are days that we are afraid. There are days that I have been afraid. There may be days that you are afraid of. There are some things that maybe have spoke fear into your heart this morning. But can I say there is a resurrected one. And He has peace in the midst of fear. And He has peace in the midst of difficulties. He is able. If He can conquer death, He can conquer the fear that is in your life today. That is right. Hebrews 13 says this in verse number 5 and verse number 6. said, let your conversation be without covenants. Be content with such things as you have, for He hath said, I will never leave thee so that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And if He won't leave me, and He is my helper, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hey, if you've got the resurrected one, then you don't have to be afraid. We serve a risen Savior. He is in the world today. The Savior has promised never to leave. He is powerful enough to conquer death. And if He can conquer death, and He walks by my side, why? Why should I be afraid? There's peace. The peace comes from the hands and the side the resurrected one. Thirdly, notice that He gives them something to do. He gives them something to do. Verse 21, Then Jesus said unto them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. One more time Jesus speaks the word peace. This time he follows it with a command. As the Father has sent me, the Son is now sending you. There's a whole world that needs to hear the gospel. There's a whole world that needs to know what they know. And now it is up to them to get out of the upper room and to get on the streets and tell somebody about it. I love this. Just as soon as he commissions them in verse 21... The Bible says in verse 22 that He breathes on them and says receive the Holy Ghost. Not only does He commission them, but He equips them to do the thing He commissioned them to do. Amen. Just as soon as He gave a command, He knew they couldn't do it. He couldn't fulfill it. So He said, I'm going to give you one that's more powerful than you, and He'll do it through you. That word breathed in verse number 22 is the same word used in the book of Genesis when it says God breathed life into the nostrils of Adam, and Adam become a living soul. Therefore, when He breathed on them in the upper room, He was not only giving them the Spirit, but He was giving them new life, and that new life would equip them, comfort them, strengthen them, help them to go forward. Amen? That's right. So there's this resurrected one. And he speaks, words of, he speaks words of peace. Number two, not only do I see the disciples. The disciples tell us that the resurrection gives us the power of peace. But number two, I see Thomas. Thomas, in the story of Thomas, we see that the resurrection gives us the power of confidence. The resurrection not only gives us the power of peace, but the resurrection gives us the power of confidence. Look at verse 24. John 20, 24, I should say. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto them, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were with him, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach thither thy finger, and behold my hand. Reach thither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. We so often give Thomas a hard time for his action to the story of Jesus' resurrection in this passage. In fact, it has earned him the famous title of Doubting Thomas. The reality is, is that the other disciples had struggled with the same truth. They doubted the story of the women when the women came and said, We have seen the Lord. At this time, the story of a woman... Couldn't be trusted as much as a man. At least that's what culture taught them. Can I just take a time out and say Jesus didn't think so because he testified to a group of women first. But that's what they thought. So they didn't believe the women when the women came with the story. Um, well, when Peter and John got to the tomb, the Bible says that they, they doubted a little bit, didn't they? In fact, um, the, the, the the story of Peter and John had been doubted by some of the disciples. When Jesus appeared the first time, they thought He was a ghost. The reason the other disciples believed is because Jesus appeared to them, showed them His hands, and showed them His side. Thomas is just saying, I want to see what you saw. That's what he's saying. I, I'm not going to believe unless I saw what you saw. This morning, I'm not going to give Thomas a hard time. In fact, I'm going to go on record and say I'm thankful that Thomas was brave enough and honest enough to share his insecurities i'm not saying a lack of faith is to be praised i'm not saying that at all y'all know me better than that but i am saying i'm thankful that thomas was honest enough to express it i'm thankful that thomas expressed his doubts because it lets me know that when i have doubts i'm not alone how many times have you been afraid to express your worries to your family to your church or even to the lord because you thought you shouldn't have them Maybe you think that you're a bad person for having them. Thomas was one of the chosen. And he still had a doubt every once in a while. I'm thankful Thomas expressed his doubts, secondly, because it gave the Master the opportunity to speak to those doubts. Allow me to say in passing that when we have doubts and fears, we should speak them to the Lord. He already knows about them. We can't hide anything from Him. Tell Him what's on your heart. Tell him what's in your mind and allow him to speak to those things. Amen? Well, eight days later in verse 26, Jesus appears to his disciples one more time. This time Thomas is with them. Once again the phrase comes, peace be unto you. This time he turns to Thomas and directs invites him to touch the wounds that are in his hands and touch the wound that is in his side. This was the very thing Thomas had requested. Jesus wanted him to be confident that he was alive. He followed it with this, Be not faithless, but believing. Do not become an unbeliever, Thomas. Be confident. Of course, we know Thomas didn't need to touch The master's wounds because the master's words and what he saw was enough to give him confidence. But let me say two things about that. Let me say first of all, I want you to see the blessing that is promised in this passage. The blessing that is promised. Look at verse 29. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Here's the promise. Blessed are they, that have not seen and yet believed. Now I don't know about you, but that phrase, blessed are they, that immediately takes me back to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5. You remember those Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are the thirsty. You remember those? Well, here it is again. Here's another Beatitude. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. Blessed are those, he pronounces a blessing on those who believe, not because of what they see, but because of what they hear. Thomas should have heard and believed. He didn't hear and believe. Don't be blessed by what you see. Be blessed by what you are told, by what you hear. John adds in verse number 30, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, But these are written that ye might believe. Do you see that? Blessed are those that have not seen and yet believed. And John immediately adds, there's some things written in this book that should cause you and give you confidence so that you can believe. Amen? What are we going to believe? We're going to believe this old book right here. Amen? That's what we're going to believe. John the writer of John he's a very old man right now some some so as an old man some things have changed in fact when John writes the gospel of John the age of the apostles is already Closing in around Him. The days of signs and miracles are coming to an end. Jesus is not revealing Himself like He used to. He is not doing things as He did in the age of the apostles. What He is doing is dispersing and spreading His teachings through the writings of the Word of God. And John, the elder John, is saying don't look for a sign... Don't look for an upper room vision. Don't look for a closed door meeting. Open up your Bible. You will find Him there. There are many things written so that you can have confidence. It is not what you see. It is what is written that we have confidence in. Believe His Word. Believe His Word. Allow me to say secondly that when God is not revealing Himself like He once did, He does reveal Himself through the lives of believers. Now this is interesting. I've never seen this before. In verse 24, yeah, verse 24, Thomas says this. He said, Unless I can touch the prints of the nails in His hand, and unless I can thrust my hand into His side, I won't believe. The word print, in verse 24. That's what he asked to see. He said, I want to touch the prints of the nails in his hand. That word print in verse 24 is the word tupin, and it means to be a pattern or it means to be an example. This is the same word Paul used in 1 Thessalonians 1 when he spoke of the Thessalonian believers and said, Ye were in samples. There's that word tupin in samples. You were the prints. Literally, that's what he's saying. You are the prince to all those that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. You know what Paul was saying? He was saying, you were the nail prince. You were the wounded side to all those that you came in contact with. The world is going to see Jesus Christ if He sees it in you. You must be the nail prince. You must bear the marks of the crucified and the risen Savior in your life. The world is saying, unless I see the Prince and the side, I won't believe. And they can see the Prince. They can see His wounded side if they see it in you and me. Well, there's Thomas. Thomas displays for us that the resurrection gives us the power of confidence. We can be confident because we serve the resurrected one number three our last character is peter and in peter we see the resurrection gives us the power of another chance the resurrection gives us the power of another chance verse 15 of chapter 21 this time verse 15 so when they had dined jesus said unto simon peter simon Son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my lambs. John finishes his gospel with the story of Peter. It seems that after Jesus' last appearance to the disciples, Thomas being present, they pack up their things and they head back home to Galilee. The is over there's danger in jerusalem so there's no sense in staying there plus jesus had said to the women tell my disciples i go before them into galilee so it just made sense to well just to go back home we don't know how much time passes between his last appearance in chapter 20 and his appearance to the disciples in chapter 21 we don't know how much time takes place between those two things it is, however, enough time for Peter to begin to feel anxious. I don't know about you, but Peter doesn't seem like the type of guy to me that sits around for very long. He's probably not the most patient guy in the group. And so Peter, being anxious and impatient, does the only thing that Peter knows to do. He's, I'm going fishing. There's debate here as to why Peter goes fishing in this passage of Scripture. Some people question whether Peter's thinking about getting back into the fishing business. Jesus is gone. And going fishing maybe displays a lack of hope. Could it be that Peter was saying Jesus has died, and although he's resurrected, he said he's not staying, he's leaving. Peter knows that he's messed up. He's messed up big. He's denied the Lord three times. Was was there a future for ministry? Was there a future for him in ministry? M- maybe, maybe it was just better to go fishing. If that was the case, the fact that he tooled all night and caught nothing <laughs> changed his mind. It was almost like God was saying, I know what you're thinking, big boy, and I ain't going to let it happen. Can I take another time out right here? The Bible says, Dr. John Phillips pointed this out in in his commentary. He said, you notice in chapter number 21, verse 2, the Bible says that on this fishing boat is Simon and Thomas, Nathaniel, the two sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Now, wait a minute. He told us that Peter was there. He said Nathaniel was there. He said that James and John were there, the sons of Zebedee. He said that Nathanael was there. Why didn't he name the other two? And Dr. John Phillips said it's so that you and me can put ourselves on the boat with Peter and James and John. When we think all hope is lost, we'll just go back to fishing. He said you can just put yourself right there on the boat with Peter and he's not going to let you catch anything. You need to just wait on the resurrected Savior. As the night of fishing comes to an end and morning begins to break over the horizon, a familiar voice comes from the seashore. Children! And the word children in verse this verse is not like small children, it is the word servants. Servants! Have you any meat? Did you catch anything? They respond from the boat, no. (laughs) Of course they didn't. Put your net on the other side of the ship. It was this same miracle that got Peter into ministry to begin with, by the way. And Peter puts his net on the other side of the ship, and there's so many fish in that net, it about sinks the boat. When when the miracle happens, John, the disciple Jesus loved, John immediately says, it's Jesus. Peter realizes it's Jesus. And Peter had to get to him as fast as he could. That little boat wasn't going fast enough for Peter. I told you that he gets anxious, so he jumps overboard and swims to land. As they arrive on shore, a meal's already prepared, and Jesus invites them to come and dine. The story of Peter and Jesus around the fire this morning is one that is probably one of the most touching passages in all of Scripture. Peter is still struggling with a wounded conscience at this point. He is wondering if there is any hope for him. No doubt he's wondering, can it ever be right again? And three times Jesus asks him the same question. Peter, do you love me? Three times Peter says yes. And three times the Lord affirms a call to service. This morning I... I you know, we could spend more time and break all that down. There's so much in that passage of Scripture. But instead, I want you to just see this. I want you to see the fact that Jesus was not done with Peter. Peter had messed up. Peter had failure written on his conscience. But there was forgiveness available on the seashore that morning. This morning, I want to say to us that no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, there's hope. There's forgiveness. There's a second chance. Hope, forgiveness, and a second chance is found in the power of the resurrection. Let me ask you a simple question. It'd just be a rhetorical one because you know the answer. Why did Jesus die? Why did, why did He die? Well, we know the answer to that. You say, well, preacher, He died... First, to, to forgive sins. Okay, that's right. That's the, that's the correct answer. Jesus died to forgive sins. So, if Jesus died to forgive sins, he arose with victory over death, then why do we struggle sometimes wondering if God will forgive us when we mess up? That's why he died, that's why he was resurrected. Don't feel like that you can't find forgiveness. That's what the whole story's been about the whole time. And Peter wondered, can I ever be forgiven? And Jesus said, hey Peter, I'm the resurrected one. That's why I died. Peter, do you love me? And that's what he's asking us today. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I do love you then I've got something for you to do, Peter. God not only gives second chances, but God gives second opportunities to serve. I forgive you. I put you back into my ministry. Now let's get busy. You don't have to go very far. Just flip over and keep reading right on into the book of Acts. And you're going to discover something. Just like Peter caught a net full of fishes In John chapter number 21, he's going to catch a net full of men as he fishes for men. In Acts chapter number 2, God wasn't done. I'm going to have Brother Scott come and get us a song. We're going to give a moment of invitation. And if there's somebody here that needs to come pray, we're going to invite you to do that.